This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. stays in and Man City and Liverpool have already dropped points. Is their streak of EPL dominance over? Elsewhere, Juventus still seem to be struggling to reassert their stronghold over the Scudetto title race. Can Allegri recapture the glory days? And with 17 goals scored, yes, you heard me, 17 goals in their first three matches of League A campaign. Could PSG go the full season undefeated? I'm joined by Mike LaHue, Jonathan Johnson, to discuss these questions and much much more. Que golazo begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que golazo. Thank you so much for being part of the family. LME here, Mike LaHood, Jonathan Johnson. Thank you so much for being part of the fam. 20,000, 20 plus, 20.3, I believe. Getting closer to 20.1. I, hey, listen, I want 25,000 subscribers before, let me say, before Halloween. So make it happen let's make it happen baby mike lahood great job yesterday against uh liverpool great job with my uh with james bench as well how are you buddy i'm sure you're in a great mood oh man i was just putting the cigarette out before the show it's that good i don't even smoke cigarettes imaginary <laughs> cigarette out jeez i'm in one of the best moods i've been in in a long time was super stressed before yesterday's match drank two cups of coffee i only do that when i'm stressed but now i'm ready to go for the show and you know what Come on, United. Come on, United. Very good result for Michael Hoots, Manchester United. Jonathan Johnson, what's up, buddy? Hey there, guys. Great to be back on with you. Glad that Mike didn't follow in Eric Ten Hag's footsteps and <laughs> drop the F-bomb. But uh, no, ha- happy, happy for him. Uh, it didn't get as demoralizing as I perhaps expected it to against Liverpool. But very, very interesting. Puts a cat amongst the pigeons now for sure. Sad to see the decline of uh, James Milner a little bit as a Villa fan. But, uh, you know, I've got, other, I've got other woes on my mind Villa-related at this moment in time. Yeah, James Milner is the last of our worries, Jonathan, and we're going to get into it, of course. But welcome, everybody. Welcome to our show. As I mentioned, Kego Lasso Pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. Mike Lahoud, Jonathan Johnson. We're here to discuss, uh, you know, the latest news, not transfer-related. Uh, we got Fabrizio Romano joining uh, on Wednesday uh, for recapping a little bit of the action as well. And you already have a full episode with uh, the aforementioned Mike Lahoud and James Bench discussing Manchester United's great win against Liverpool. So today really, well, it really kind of relates to that. Uh, The first topic uh, of the day is about the Premier League title race, but it's overall the Premier League race in general regarding the top six, 
fights for a European place, whatever. And usually, usually, Mike Lahoud, it's been the case that, you know, we're going to see those uh, 99-point seasons with Manchester City, Liverpool getting away with it. And yes, it's only, you know, match day three gone, still plenty of football to be played. But something continues to surface in my mind, which is, I feel that the margin of perfection between your Man City's, your Liverpool's, your so-called top six is mm. much thinner than, you know, your Newcastle's, your Brighton's, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think? What are these, uh, you know, what are you making of these match days after match day three? And are the days of the 99 point seasons, are they over? I think they're coming to an end because the rest of the competition is getting better. We see that epitomized Newcastle last season got just bum-smacked 5-0 in their own backyard. This game, they looked like world beaters for about 60, 65, well, 60 minutes because Howland did score that goal around that time. But Newcastle taking it to City, beating them to the in the, just in the woodshed. But then the quality of the Manchester Cities, I think the quality of the Liverpools will still shine through. And, and for the rest of the Premier League, that fear factor that, that surrounds some of the, the top six teams is ebbing away. Chelsea look very beatable. Leeds prove that. Manchester United look like you know Champions League winners and made Liverpool, I'm going to say that again, look like Champions League winners because JJ didn't even blink when I said one, that. I said that to one, get a rise out of you. One game beating Liverpool. You've got to be you, in the Champions League to win it, my friend. I know, I know. But to round out that point, the rest of the competition is getting better, and that's going to take points. That's really going to push the Manchester Cities, the Liverpools, to the limit. And Manchester City needs a Liverpool to get to that 100-point threshold or 90-point threshold. If you look at the last couple seasons when they've gotten 90-plus points, it's been Liverpool or United behind their shoulders. But it's been those matchups against Liverpool going down to the wire that pushes you towards that ultimate threshold. This year, they may not get that. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate Mike trying to bait me into a into a rise there early on, but uh, no, I mean, I I think it's maybe a bit early to say for sure. Um, you know, that the, the sort of ninety nine point seasons are sort of you know going away, but uh, I do think that we're already into the sort of territory where we might not see Liverpool featuring in that, and I'm sure that they will. Uh, you know, return to form and and you know, pick up uh, points pretty soon. But, uh, you know, I don't think that they're necessarily going to be the ones pushing Man City all the way uh, unless they can get over this blip in form. Uh, but then again, you've got, you know, a, a team like Arsenal who looks so well-oiled, well-drilled, uh, you know, starting the season like a house on fire. If they can maintain that, if, you know, their their confidence grows even more, then perhaps they could be surprise candidates who push City. And I think, if anything, you know, City could do with that variety more than anything because we still expect them to be sort of, you know, the standard bearers uh, in the Premier League as far as, yeah, you know, setting the pace goes for the title race. But to have a team like Arsenal, you know, setting the early pace slightly ahead of them, uh, you know, that gives them something to chase at this point in the season because otherwise they could be looking over their shoulders at the likes of Liverpool and United, despite United being slightly on the rise after yesterday, uh, you know, and maybe not have that same uh, motivation. So I'm not convinced just yet Yet that we're not going to see two teams absolutely dominated and finish sort of, you know, around the sort of 99 point mark. But, uh, you know, I do generally agree with, uh, you know, with with Mike's sentiment and that that is that, you know, the, the quality is improving. And if 99 point seasons disappear, then I'm all for it, because that means that Villa have 
slightly <laughs> slim chance of picking up some points against some of these bigger teams at some JJ, point. JJ, that means that we end the season with uh, 45 <laughs> points instead of 40. It's great. Ah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm full of negativity, unfortunately, about Villa at the moment. I'm, dread, <laughs> too, I'm dreading brother. the cup Me clash too. against Bolton. I'm, I'm but, captain, uh, fingers I'm, crossed. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm captain optimism 24-7 right now. It's like, <laughs> Mike, I know you want to chime in before we move on. Uh, LME, I'm surprised you're not Captain Morgans right now with how Villa are playing. I would be. I was tempted to be almost about to bring the full handle to the United match yesterday if it was just going to go down to Hades. But just when we speak of Arsenal, everything's going so well. Gabriel Jesus, life is good. It's paradise. It ends 9-4 against United. Just want to put that out there. I Look wish James the Benz was there. Man. I'm saying, I'm a United fan. When it's bad, it's bad. When it's good, it's great. But to finish up, just when you look at that table and some of those seasons of the past, Wolverhampton, LME, I think we all talked about it. You put it in your teams to get relegated. Wolves in trouble. I think Wolves and Brighton, Brighton have become the new Wolves. They play a different style. But could we see them maintain their stay within that top six Last season, they were a team that not many teams wanted to, to play. They ran out of steam towards the end of the season, but this could be a well-oiled Brighton machine that could find their way in that slippery slope in that that top six, for sure, top 10. But I could see them staying put in that top six. Yeah, let me jump just very quickly about Brighton. I think my only thing about this uh, conversation right now is that uh, we're, we're, we're missing out on two key factors of why I think it's happening and why possibly the 99-point seasons may be over. One of them is money. Newcastle United, obviously the richest club in the world. You know, uh, clubs are getting, you know, uh, even, you know, again, uh, Villa or anybody else getting a, a rich American owners or, you know, just the, the money. For, the Forrest, Forrest suddenly discovering a new, <laughs> exactly. a new lease to their bank. Exactly bank right. Exactly right. <laughs> Nottingham Forest is a perfect example. So the money coming into the Premier League, the richest league in the world, mm. is a key factor. But then, Mike Lahoud, you bring in Brighton, which is my other example, which is sometimes you also get a club that's really well ran, like just from top to bottom. And that's Brighton. They know how to make business. You sell a Cucurella for like 70 million and you bring mm. in Pervis Estupiñan for way less. That's the kind of business that helps a club. And then, oh, by the way, you happen to have the most talented English manager out there in Graham Potter. Then you have teams that are doing really good stuff. So I think... Villa v- money- v- fan, my dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. I'm a very big Villa fan, so I'm really hoping for things in the future. But the point is this. We are now entering the Premier League uh, journey where money and now quality of coaching and development mm-hmm. is all over the place. It's not just in the top four and the top six. And I think that's a massive thing. JJ, bring us home before we move on if you wanted to bring something up. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you're just like, underscoring my early season depression with Villa because we're like, <laughs> I feel like we have half of that. We've had the money, we've had the backing of the manager in the transfer window, yet we're not really no. seeing the results at this no. moment in time. Fingers crossed it turns around, but I do think that you're right. So, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it, it was always inevitable that, you know, the sort of top six was going to get larger and sort of turn into more of like a top eight, top 10, uh, you know, with the amounts of money that were swelling around the Premier League. So it doesn't surprise me, you know, now, especially with the addition 
addition of a Newcastle, potentially with the addition of, of like a Nottingham Forest as well and the way that they're changing their squad, uh, you know, that there's going to be even more competition. I mean, we saw a few years ago Wolves as well spending big, you know, bringing in, boosting that, uh, you know, sizable Portuguese contingent that they have. Uh, you know, there are a lot of quality teams, uh, you know, in the Premier League, even some of the ones sort of knocking uh, sort of in and around the bottom of the table at the moment. I mean, look at West Ham, haven't scored a goal yet. Wait for that to change Wait at the weekend the at Villa Park. But, uh, you know... It- it's it's a loaded squad uh yeah you know yet they're sort of the early season relegation battle is based on the first few matches yep absolutely in fact if you ended the season right now arsenal man city leeds and tottenham are in the champions league which is kind of interesting anyway speaking of that speaking of the champions league which by the way you can watch exclusively on cbs sports paramount plus uh Till at least 2030, by the way. So we are our place. Kegolasa will be part of that, of course, throughout the time. We'll have previews. We'll have recaps. As always, our team will be covering it. And it kind of all begins uh, this Thursday, really, because we're going to be doing a Champions League live draw, baby. Make sure that you tune in. The fam will be there. Our team will be there. And we'll discuss every single group and, and our aspirations or hopes to see some of the best storylines for the Champions League 2022-2023 season. That's on Thursday, uh, by the way, which does Norris remind me, I think it's around 12 p.m., 1 p.m. Eastern, I believe, is when we'll probably go live, but the draw's around that time. Yep, 12 p.m. Eastern, correct. So make sure that you check that out. More information to follow. But let's move on, everybody. From the Champions League draw, let's go to uh, one of the top leagues in Europe, in Serie A, which also you can watch on CBS Sports. Uh, Very quickly here, Jonathan Johnson, Juventus. There we were thinking, well, you know, they're kind of back after seeing them in match day one. But then kind of like bereft of ideas against Sampdoria. Uh, You know, there were a little little worrying times here for USMNT fans. I'm sure Mike will chime in regarding Weston McKinney. You know, I thought things were going well for Allegri and co after match day one. What did you make of them after this uh, dreary draw against Sampdoria and their hopes for doing better, I guess? Yeah, obviously a d- disappointing result for Juventus. And I, I think, you know, Allegri must be really frustrated at the moment. I mean, you look at what, has been happening sort of on the transfer market. You know, he wants to make changes to that Juve squad. He wants to add the likes of Alejandro Paredes to his group. Didn't want, uh, you know, to keep Adrian Rabiot on, who of course had a goal ruled out, uh, you know, through VAR. Uh, and I think he must feel sort of hamstrung at the moment because he's sort of half changed his his team and, and half been unable to. And I think until he's able to fully action those changes uh, you know he's he's not going to be able to get Juve playing the way that he, he wants them to but I, you know I, I think as well you know with all due respect when you sort of detach sort of you know maybe the the spine of this Juve, Juve team you know you've got your Vlajevic you've got your Locatelli Otherwise, that's a pretty underwhelming Juve side that you're looking at on paper. Uh, you know, I know that they spent big on Bremer uh, over the summer, but then you look at some of the other names in that team. You know, you got you likes of uh, you know your Raganis, Rabio, unwanted. Uh, you know, you got Quadrado as well. For me, it doesn't really set the pulses racing. Um, you know, and I think I'm, I mean it's too early to say that Juve are in crisis. But I think if Juve don't manage to make the moves that Allegri wants them to between now and the end of the transfer window, then, you know, I think that serious questions will be asked and, and he will be frustrated, uh, you know, at their inability to, to rejuvenate, for, for want of a better term. Well, actually, it's the perfect term, uh, you know, this this group. Because, you know, Juve have had that issue where 
the the group has kind of been stagnating aging for a while now and we saw you know how far behind uh, you know the the leading pack they were last season uh, i was convinced it's going to be different this campaign but i don't know this results starting to make me think twice uh, when you look at this team, injuries are the difference between this team being the team where you, they turn heads and the team we saw against Sampdoria. Angel Di Maria, his quality, his class, not there. Paul Pogba, probably in Qatar doing what he did with United, posting Instagram pics with Jesse Lingard. Oh, Jesse Lingard actually plays football now, never mind. <laughs> and Chiesa still out. Those are three quality world-class players and i put Kiesa in that with what he showed in the euros that's a completely different team when you get those players healthy philip kostich looked a bit rusty but he looked the most likely to be a spark plug had a couple opportunities in terms of wing play down the left hand side and late in the game he had that volleyed attempt that if he put it anywhere near anywhere anywhere other than into the ground or right at the goalkeeper that's the match winner and it just had that feeling of it just wasn't going to be their night and just the dark cloud looming over them. It's Syria. It's not how you start. It's how you pick up towards the middle of the season. And then I'm not overwhelmingly worried about this Juve team. What I am worried about is the fitness of their star players. If they get fit and get back in time, I know Paul Pogba is a longer-term injury, but when they get a Chiesa, when Di Maria comes back and hopefully stays healthy, I'm not worried about these Juve team. I think they'll deliver. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's true that, you know, it's very early in the season and there's a Liverpool theme to this, right, where sometimes Juve start slow and then they pick it up a little bit. It was Sampdoria, though, you know, somebody that ended 15th last season, nothing much, and it was the first uh, home game of the season. But to your point, Mike, I think key absentees are a big factor here. Very quick about, Mike, about Weston McKenney. What are your thoughts about him? Because, you know, on his day, he's the best American male player out there. I think, you know, on his yeah. day, like definitely. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I feel is Juventus the best place for him? Because last weekend we were talking about the fact that now that you're able to push him a little bit higher and, he does, you know, he's free of not having to stay so stuck in the middle. He can push up, play behind the striker. Sometimes that can be a problem with Allegri's Juventus. Uh, he's not, you know, no, no mean of disrespect, but he's not exactly the most creative manager when it comes to thinking what to do in the final third. What do you think of McKenney overall as he pushes, of course, to not just be fit, but also be ready to go for the USMNT when uh, November comes around? I think for him right now, it's the place for him to be because he's he's playing at the highest level he can in one of the biggest leagues he can. Longer term, I think after the season, I would re you know, reassess where the best place for him to be when you're looking at the World Cup, you want to be playing against some of the, the best players in the world. And and Christian Pulisic this is a different situation than Pulisic because at least McKenney's getting starts. Pulisic coming off the bench, getting only a handful of minutes. In this game, what worried me about McKenney is he looked a bit lost. There was an opportunity in the first half where Juve trying to break down a team. Weston McKenney, when he's playing for Juventus against teams that sit in a low block, I, he tends to look a little bit more lost and he thrives when the game's a bit more open and Juve are hitting on the counter. I think under Allegri, you could see him being used more as a role player and saying, okay, this is a game where we're going to be able to use your athleticism and ability to cover ground. You're in, you can make a difference. Against the Sampdorias, against the, uh, you know, Cremonosa, Creme, I can't even say the name. Cremonese. Against the Monsas. Maybe that's where he gets his valuable minutes, but against stubborn teams where it's not working out for him, 
I just think it's going to be a struggle for him. But, hey, this is where, as a young player, you grow up. Are you going to quit when it gets really difficult? And I think USMNT fans are going to want to see him see this through and grow up and you know, become better. I mean, I think you both hit the nail on the head. I mean, Mike mentioned, you know, sort of what McKinney brings to the team, sort of in terms of his athleticism, you know, that 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 vibrancy. Uh, and LME also hinted at it that, you know, he's also not fully fit. I mean, is there not a case to be made that he's almost been rushed back too soon because of absences elsewhere in the team, uh, you know, which is sort of impairing his ability to perform properly. And he's actually kind of a threat for the USMNT ahead of the World Cup because, you know, what if he suddenly breaks down physically, does some long-term damage, you know, misses sort of weeks, months of the season, and then is absolutely not ready to go by November. So I think, you know, Allegri is playing a bit of a dangerous game relying on him so heavily, you know, given that he was injured recently. But also, uh, you know, I think it's also probably going to strengthen Allegri's hand when he goes to the Juve board and demands that these moves are made now because he's got to use players, A, that he doesn't want to use, B, that he perhaps shouldn't be using or relying on as much uh, as he is at this moment in time. Uh, and he has the the targets in mind that he wants to bring in uh, and needs that backing from the board in order to, to bring them in and, you know, look after his squad and actually get them lined up in the way that he does. So I think, you know, it is kind of worrying to see sort of McKinney, uh, you know, being used so heavily sort of from a, from a USMNT perspective, uh, you know, and if Juve, you know, don't make any moves between now and the end of the transfer window, as I was saying earlier, you know, then I think that the chances of seeing McKenney sort of run into the ground uh, before the World Cup, you know, increase massively. Well, I'll tell you who's saying Crimea River when it comes to, oh, I need players, I need whatever. And that's Napoli, who had to say goodbye to a lot of very key players, a lot of leaders in that team. And look at them right now, by the way, opening with a tremendous victory, 5-2 against Verona. And then they beat Monza for nothing. I mean, this team is clicking, Jonathan Johnson. They're leading the table, obviously, just two matches in. But a lot of us were worried about where Napoli was going to go after the exits of Dries Mertens, of course, Insignia, etc., etc. What are your thoughts over Napoli and their quick start, their quick great start to the season? Yeah, I was really curious to see how it would play out with Napoli with so many changes. Uh, the one thing I guess I would say, and I've seen a number of people uh, you know, saying it within our pool of experts uh, on Calcio, and that's that you know, Napoli haven't actually played one of the stronger teams in the league yet. You're playing, you know, with all due respect to the teams, not bottom feeders, but teams that you, I guess, would define as sort of middling. Um, and you know, we'll have to wait and see how Napoli really perform against one of the bigger sides. But I think that they're overhaul of the squad this summer has been quite impressive there's still moves to be made I think adding Kalon Navas to any squad uh, is you know always going to be a big big boost you know that he brings in points single-handedly uh, you know and we'll see if, we'll see if Napoli have uh, a, a couple of other tricks left up their sleeve before the end of the transfer window as well but I'm impressed with this uh, Napoli side so far and let's not forget that they started last season like a house on fire as well under Spalletti mm -hmm. so I think they'll be motivated to keep that fire going throughout the the entire season but I think as long as Aussie men is fit Napoli are always going to be a threat uh you know to Serie A defenses and as long as uh you know he remains the main man uh I I think that you know they have you know reasons for optimism I think that overhaul of the squad what, what was quite an aging team uh you know really needed to happen and arguably came a bit later than it perhaps should have done and you look at the way Koulibaly performed for Chelsea against Leeds over the weekend mm. you know and you wonder why Napoli fought so 
hard to keep him when teams were, you know, queuing up to pay them 80 million or whatever it was that he was linked with moves away for a couple of years ago. This is clearly Spalletti's team, and they have an experienced manager who knows how to get it done with young talent. And I think they, the fact that they got younger, the fact that they don't have players who have contract disputes, are they going to stay? Are they going to go? Dries Mertens, I'm thinking of him. Over the last three or four seasons, we've seen his play drop quite a bit because there was always uncertainty around whether he was going to stay or go. Koulibaly, is he going to stay or is he going to go? And I think there's more of a settled field a unified field and when i look at their most recent performance what gives me room for optimism is this is a napoli team under previous managers that yes they have attackers who get goals but their midfielders chipped in every midfielder had an assist in this past weekend's game Mm -hmm. and a thriving napoli is a dynamic napoli in midfield not just up front and one of the newcomers cavada this guy seems to be lighting it up, and his combination play with a striker and a focal point like Osiman, that combination could be what helps them really stay near the top. And Lozano, he's a guy that, although he hasn't scored, he looks a lot more lively. He's going to bring the energy. He's going to bring good wing play. Now can he get off the mark and get a goal? I think it's coming for him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, great stuff from Napoli so far. But as we all said, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So let's see how they do there. Uh, somebody that doesn't need a reminder that it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, is Christophe Galtier, one of the best managers out there. Of course, leading now Paris Saint-Germain. My God, Jonathan Johnson. 17 goals already for PSG. The game against Lille. Lille, by the way, he only won the league like only two seasons ago. They are something fierce and they thought they'd be a title contender. And wow, look at this. 7-1. Watching these highlights, JJ, was to me like just watching like a FIFA world-class player against like playing his mom or something. Like it was ridiculous. (laughs) The opening... The opening goal, of course, the fastest goal in league on history, eight seconds. I mean, fantastic stuff out of the training ground. But it was just everywhere, everywhere. The trio is clicking. Can this continue, JJ? And how surprised, I guess, are you by this ridiculous start? Join fastest goal in league on history. I think it's the fastest goal in Opta history, but I think they've only been recording the data since like Never 2006. Never question Jonathan Johnson's statistics. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, I, but honestly, I mean, I'm I'm kind of torn um, about that opening goal because, yeah, I mean, I think PSG need to be applauded for you know being quite inventive about the way that they targeted it. I mean, part of me really wonders if it's because of Galtier's knowledge of uh, of, mm. of Jose Fonch's game uh, that he knew 
that the defense would be I mean, the high, you know, so high up the pitch. Yeah, combination of all of it. I mean, it yeah. was just it was clearly a, you you could see that they did that in training. Like yeah. that. Oh, he, he admitted it after the game. They practiced it. it. But for Galtier to identify that that would happen was impressive. But for, I, I think Paolo Fonseca would have been major, well, distraught where, mm. with his defense allowing that to happen. I don't think that any teams will be getting any gifts like that anytime soon. But, you know, unfortunately, that kind of thing, that early in the game against PSG, I mean, it, it kills you. I mean, there was the article in The Athletic that, you know, uh, whipped up a bit of controversy on Twitter last week about how Bayern should start a goal down. Many people sort of <laughs> feel, uh, you know, the same way about PSG as well. But then when you see one of the teams that should really be able to push them a bit a bit better than the likes of the Clermonts and the, the Montpellier is doing that, throwing a goal away in, inside of the opening 10 seconds. Yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating because, you know, I think that Ligue 1 gets a, a bad rep overall because it is more competitive, in my opinion, uh, you know, than, than many people give it credit for. But then again, when you've got guys like Neymar, Messi on form in the way that they are, I mean, you look at that second goal, uh, that is vintage Messi, Neymar, mm. brilliance. I mean, it's, you know, it, it was phenomenal to watch at times the you know the thing that people are hoping at the moment myself included is that PSG can really translate this seriousness that they've had about them since the start of the season to the continental stage because it's all well and good them doing it in Ligue 1 but it only really really counts if they can maintain it across Ligue 1 the Coupe de France and the Champions League because you know they could be the most dominant team in French footballing history they could go and have an unbeaten season which you know they haven't managed to do yet not hold the record for back from back in 1995 for that uh, and it's something I've always felt that PSG should target they really could have done it under Laurent Blanc I felt mm-hmm. but they now have a great opportunity to do it like this you do have to wonder how the World Cup is going to impact them during the season uh you know whether the players are going to maintain that same level of motivation but you can't argue with the way that they've started and i think as well i mean it's difficult to win when you're trying to have a a conversation about psg because either you know they dominate the league and it's bad for league or you know they take it seriously and they're still dominating the the league i think it is damaging for Ligue 1 when they're not at full strength and they're still sort of romping to victory. But that doesn't always happen. They sometimes get caught out by a Monaco or by a Lille, as you mentioned. But, you know, for them to be applied like this, if they can do it across all fronts, then, you know, I think, you know, it is going to be a PSG to be reckoned with this season. I think the difference between the PSGs and the club like Bayern who stroll through their league and dominate as well as the consistency of the mentality. And now they have a coach in this match. What what struck me wasn't just the play on the field. It looked like a training match. Messi, I said I was putting out a cigarette. Messi was putting out a cigarette, cigar and the bottle of whiskey down in the game, strolling (laughs) through this game is the intensity of Galtier. I think he's brought this intensity. He was pacing the touchline as if they were down a goal from minute zero to minute 90. And I know because Lille is near and dear to his heart because of what he was able to do there, but there's just this intensity and focus that you see throughout the team for 90 minutes and this ruthlessness. When it was at halftime, in seasons past, you'd see them strolling through maybe Neymar doing a couple step overs, a couple tricks, Messi walking around, but there was this desire 
to score more goals, this desire to really embarrass and humiliate Leo because they can. The Bayern Munichs, that, that Bayern team that won and won the treble, that won and won the Champions League, they had that ruthlessness no matter who they played. I mean, they put Messi's Barcelona. They humiliated them because they could, because they wanted to send a message to the rest of Europe that it was their year, it was their trophy, and, it, and there was nothing anyone could do about it. In terms of teams who could compete, Lille, sorry, not your year. I think it's a two-horse race. I think Marseille, although you know they got very fortunate in their, their win at the weekend, own goal was the difference, and Lyon, the team no one's talking about. Lyon have the experience. Lacazette looks right back at home. Tolisso, Tete getting a couple goals, and Paqueta. This is a team that on their day could catch a PSG team off their day, and especially if they meet up in and around, whether it's cup competition or league competition, in and around World Cup friendlies and World Cup play starting up. Yeah, I see this PSG side, and I think I've said this before, I compare them a little bit to like an NBA dynasty team uh, or even the dream team, right? Where it's like you ha- if the talent is ready and they're focused and they're ready to go, in this case, Messi, Mbappé, Neymar, if they're, to your point, Mike, if they're like focused and, and willing to give it their all, I mean, a hardworking Neymar is such a great motivator for the entire squad. Because if, if he does that, and Galtier has already said it, it's like he, he got one of the things that Galtier is so good at is he knows, he knows that a certain player just needs that stroke of ego. Just, just caress him a little bit and make him understand that you are so important, but we need you to be to this level. That's what he's doing with Neymar Jr. And Neymar Jr. is responding. So that's why I compare them to an NBA dynasty team because the Phil Jacksons and the Bulls or Phil Jackson and the Lakers, et cetera, you know, you have the talent, but you need a coach that can motivate you when the t- when things get hard in training, et cetera. And if you have that, then everybody be scared because then PSG is ready to go. Now, the Champions League, to me, is obviously their ultimate objective. Like, you got to represent there, and you are got to make it count. But I have no doubt that, at the very least, they now have a manager that knows exactly what to do with this team, both strategically and just from a man-management perspective, because that's the key with PSG. Make Keep them happy. Keep Mbappé happy. Keep Neymar happy. Keep Messi happy. And after all that, if they're willing to give it their all, everybody else behind them will be like, oh, man, the trio is going for it. M&M's going for it, then we're going to go for it as well. And I think that that's going to be the key component. So it's Look, good to see how they have there's, there's, there's one key figure as well who enables Galtier to do that. And to his credit, he's someone I think we wrote off a while back, but Sergio Ramos, when you have yeah, him yeah. fit and suddenly able to actually bring something on the pitch, that experience, when you suddenly tap into that, you know, that, you know, takes takes you up a level uh and you know he has been earning rave reviews so far since the start of the season i mean to be honest any review of sergio ramos this season was going to be rave <laughs> compared to last season because he barely got on the pitch but you know for psg to actually now finally be able to get something out of him that's a real boon for yep. for them and to be fair we're talking about psg's attacking brilliance there are still some vulnerabilities in that yeah. defense they haven't been tested just yet i think they're going to have issues later on down the line uh, because they they don't look, you know, completely watertight at the back. And, you know, if, say, if Ramos does get injured, then suddenly there's issues about depth. But, you know, for now, it's started well. It'll be a decent test this weekend against Monaco. I'm a bit disappointed by them so far this season. So they've got a point to prove in the capital. But, uh, you know, I do think that Ramos does make a huge difference, not only 
in the way that PSG are playing and setting up, but in being able to transmit those important messages from Galtier to the likes of a Neymar. Absolutely uh, spot on. And when you have more dressing room voices like that, the better they are for it. Um, all right, let's uh, let's wrap things up here. Let's just do final thoughts here. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We've got plenty more to come this week. Fabrizio Romano live, our weekend preview as well. Champions League draw, plenty of good shows for you to come. Mike Lahoud, before we say goodbye, buddy, final thoughts. Uh, I'm disappointed you didn't mention Jeff Van Gundy as a Knicks fan in that run of great managers. Well, yeah, well, so that's enough. That... We didn't win the, is we didn't win the title. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just keep thinking of that brawl with him holding on. I think it's Mello's leg or, or Nate Robinson's <laughs> leg or someone's leg. Just the posterizing of that seared in my brain. No, final thoughts from me is I can't wait for the Champions League draw. A team, and I'm, and you know we talk a lot about English teams, but I want to see who Tottenham Hotspurs are mm-hmm. in the pot with, who the PSGs, who some of these teams that are hoping for big seasons, who are they going to play in the Champions League? Because a lot of their stock, a lot of their rosters that they've assembled is to compete and to really make a run at it. And could they get an easy group or would they be benefited from having a difficult group so they're tested by the time they get to the knockout round should they qualify? Well, luckily for you guys, my final thoughts come before Villa play and not after them. We'll see what, <laughs> we'll see how I'm feeling about that later on in the week. But no, I mean, life's good otherwise right now, football-wise. I mean, you got Betis winning again at the weekend. My tip for a team to watch in uh, in La Liga. So happy to see how that's going. We've got a bit of uh, midweek cup action uh, coming along as well. You know, keeping an eye on the, the Champions League qualifiers before the draw as well. I'm really keen to see how that Rangers PSV clash shakes out, poised quite nicely at 2-2. So no, lots to look forward to uh in the in the soccer world this week and uh looking forward to to picking over more of it with you guys as the week progresses absolutely thank you so much jonathan johnson thank you so much mike lahood make sure to follow jonathan johnson uh john underscore le gossip at mike lahood as we mentioned plenty of content to come if you want if you want a more extensive pre- recap of last night's manchester united win against liverpool mike talk to james bench and we obviously have as well much more to come, including Fabrizio Romano coming on Wednesday. Uh, we can preview, we can recap, and so much more. LME, JJ, Mike LaHood, Kego Lasso. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Till then, bye bye. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.